Hi, this is Mouse. I'm Weens. <laughs> we have the Mouse and Weens podcast. Mouse and Weens. I'm a big sister in San Diego with kids, and I'm married. And I have uh, no friends. No, I'm just kidding. No, I do. I have friends. I just don't have any boyfriends or love. <laughs> anyway, Mouse and Weens podcast. You usually listen to it. Yeah, it's, it's not really depressing. Fun. We talk about family stories, life, and love, and kids, and all the things you're interested in. We promise. Yay! Celebrities in Hollywood, too. Poke your little turtle head out and come listen to us. <laughs> Mouse and Weens. Bye. Bye. Hello, greetings, and good day. My name is Keith Gala, and I'm the host of That Was Great, wasn't it? Each week, I'll be joined by my friends, both old and new, to reminisce on our youth via the nostalgic power of Saturday morning cartoons. Some will be classics, some will be classic with air quotes, but all of us pondering the same philosophical conundrum. That was great, wasn't it? Season one will be breaking down Pro Stars. Pro Stars is part of NBC's 1991 Saturday morning lineup, and feature the all-time greats of Michael Jordan, Bo Jackson, Wayne Gretzky, doing their best to stop bad guys, inspire the youth, and protect the environment. Keep up the speed with the show by following us on Twitter and Instagram at How Great Was That. Subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hello and welcome to The Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. I'm Austin Rude, and I am the son on this show. I'm Phil Rude. I'm the dad. Each week, we watch a movie, we get on mic, and we talk about it. Thank you for summing up what we do here. Uh, we watch movies, but what else do we do? What else do we do? Other than very bad transitions on my part. Uh... No, but what have you been up to this week? What, what's been going on? Um, I'm going to start with what I've watched. Um, just real quick, I've been continuing my Mad Men uh, rewatch. And a couple nights ago, I watched the 89 cult classic Heathers for the first time ever. I've never, really? I've never seen that movie before. And I, um, once I figured out what, what it was, it takes a little while. Uh, I settled into it and I really liked that movie a lot. I, I was like, this movie is kind of brilliant, but, um, yeah. I, Heather's is a movie that I started like three times mm -hmm. at like various weird. friends' yeah. houses and then like things just interrupt. So I only watched it in full like a few years ago. Yeah. Me and mom watched it the other night and I think for like the first 15 minutes, I was kind of laughing at it being like is this a bad movie and uh she was kind of more like oh this is a bad movie and then like we figured out what the movie was that it's just a, a weird like surrealist kind of movie and yes. what once once it all falls into place we I, I think we both really enjoyed it and it was just like a really a really smart and really unique movie. I really I really liked it a lot. I think it's kind of like a dark satirical Mean Girls. Yeah, yeah it, exactly. Uh uh it's it's Mean Girls way before Mean Girls with more edge to it than Mean Girls. Yes. To take nothing away from Mean Girls, which is a comedy that I think is fantastic. 
I what I find weird about Heather's is the weird resurgence that it's gotten. Uh, like they made a musical and then they made a musical TV show, which everyone who hmm. liked Heather's the movie and Heather's the musical hated that altogether. So that's really strange. It's weird what it's spawned off into, but yeah, it I really know, is. I didn't like, know any of that because it seems like something that can only exist in 1989 uh, could only be made then in a time when you could laugh at the idea of high school students killing other high school students because it wasn't a a common occurrence i'm not saying that is a funny concept now i just feel like that's not something people make be, a movie about it now. wouldn't be right. made now but it, but they is... are they're they're resurging it that's really interesting I don't know. I I don't know why it resonated with people my age, but like a bunch of because high I think for love the it. same reason that Mean Girls does. Because at the end of the day, it's about popular kids being mean and getting clout from being mean to unpopular kids, right? And and, and sort of deciding the social order, and 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 it's kind of like a revenge fantasy of like upending that, in. in uh, we talked about the Batman a couple weeks ago. The idea of like having a villain that you can kind of see where they're coming from. Right. And, and it's just like, this is very extreme. But yeah, I get it. If I was a kid, and I was a kid when that movie came out, but it just was such a kind of indie cult movie. You know, it just completely flew by me. I didn't know anything about it. But uh yeah, I can see where if I had seen this when I was a kid, I would I th I think it would have kind of struck a chord with me in 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 the same kind of way of like this is a really interesting movie and I can see where uh uh younger people who are in the thick of that can sort of be like, "Oh yeah, I get this." Yeah, they they yeah. find something in yeah. it. Uh how about you? Uh Honestly, not much. I've just been on my usual uh, kind of Doctor Who. But I did... Uh, my boyfriend started us watching an Australian TV show called The Unlisted. Uh, it's only got one season, but hmm. it's really... It's an interesting like story about, like... I don't know, they're running secret tests on kids, and it's all this overt kind of government operation and it's like a very it's a conspiracy theory show uh okay but it's it's cool it's fun sci-fi uh yeah no i've never heard of that i don't know anything about it but uh if we have some australian listeners sure who know about that show uh let us know is it like a big popular show in australia I, I don't know if it's popular in Australia, but it's one of those uh, things. Netflix recently bought an Australian TV production studio because they have, like, I, I keep they seeing like a bunch them of Australian like, show stuff. up suddenly. Uh, so uh, that's funny. I, I think that's one of those that just kind of, like, it's weird. It's popped like, in there. It's going to be all Australia and Korea on, on Netflix pretty soon. That's like, it's more and more. Ten years down the line, that's, yep. that's going to be it. All right, cool. Well, you and I have also been busy with something else this week. We've been super busy. Yeah. 
we are doing the NYC Midnight uh, Screenwriting Contest this year. Right. It's uh it's a contest where, for the first round at least, uh, you get eight days to write 12 pages. They give you a random uh, genre and a few other things to keep your story, like, random. You get a, a character and a... Uh, a theme. A theme, right. Um, yeah, so uh, this has been the week for that. Um, kicked off last saturday and we're kind of in the middle of it three days left uh well two and a half at this point but um yeah this is my second year doing it um and we are part of the midnight writers this this year uh which i was a part of last year for doing this right the podcast with uh keith keith and Derek, and uh last year we had mouse and weens uh, they are busy with another project uh, that I'm really, I'm not, I can't talk about it, but I'm really excited for what they're doing and I will be talking about it so, when that. So, so they just didn't have time for Right, this. they're they're busy with something else, uh, but uh, this year it's Derek and Keith, you and me, and our friend Zachary Jackson. Um, and so we're all, uh, and Zach's from the um, On the Subject podcast. Right, it's it's me and Zach's first year doing right. this contest, uh, so it's it's exciting. Yeah, it's really fun. We got a really good group. Uh, we've recorded two episodes, and now we're writing, and we'll be back to record more. I'm not sure when those are going to come out, but if you haven't heard uh, from last year, you can listen to how that went. We'll talk about that a little bit more uh, in the shout-outs. I yeah, think. but but that's kind of been consuming but, our yeah, week. Yeah, we've been doing a lot of writing. Just uh, a tip of the spear. What is your genre? What are you writing this week? Oh, well, I was uh, assigned a ghost story. Uh, and so I, I won't give away too much, but I genre bended a little bit because it's a ghost story sure. and a romance. That's... Uh, so I'm I am. Nothing actually... is one thing. That's true. Yeah. I'm I'm really excited with what I came up with because I wouldn't have thought to come up with it if I was just writing on my own. Sure. So like that's kind of part of what makes contests fun is you get something that pushes you. Yeah. Yeah, I think it it gives you some uh good parameters that you have to stay within and it sort of makes you think about, you know, being given something you wouldn't normally do sort of uh, forces you to focus on it a little bit. And and what what's your story? Uh, my my story is silly, but uh, my genre is comedy. And um, I couldn't tell you the last time I wrote something that was just like a pure comedy. So uh, I'm I probably um bent things a little bit as well in terms of of format but um yeah it's interesting as i'm figuring it out i don't know dad i i kind of laugh at everything you do yeah so. and everybody laughs at me the <laughs> trick is can i get you to laugh with me you are well suited to comedy also i i think uh we have a guest star this episode a fly a in the studio that was a bee. Hold on.
Oh, save the bees. Save the bees. They are welcome. Instead of killing him. They're welcome on our podcast. Okay. Well, that's what we got going on this week. Um, Other than that, we have... Other than that... Our movie. uh, Would you like to bring us up to speed with that? I sure can. Uh, We set aside some time this week to watch... 2019's version of Miracle in Cell Number 7. This is a Turkish film, one of many adaptions of an original Korean film by the same name, and it tells the story of a mentally handicapped man named Memo, uh, who is blamed for the death of a high-ranking military official's daughter, who he was trying to save. Uh, He's imprisoned for a crime he was forced to confess to, but in, in... in jail, he makes some unlikely friends who make it their mission to reunite him with his daughter and try to prove his innocence before his date of execution. This movie is written by... Good luck. <laughs> I'm going to try my best at these names, all right? Uh, this movie is written by Ozi Efodoum. Uh <laughs> That is way too many consonants. Uh... Efen Dioglu, uh, Mehmet Ada Ostikin. It stars Aras Bullet as Memo, Misa Sophia Aksangur as Ova, Denise Bezal as Teacher Mine, uh, and Sarp Akea as The Warden. Thank you. I'm glad you wrote him down because the entire time I thought of him as Frank Oz. He looks exactly (laughs) like Frank Oz. He he was. And I I wanted to include him in that. Uh, There's a lot of small roles in this movie, but he he has, I think, a very critical role. And I think he stood out to me as an actor who, like, I I could see a lot on his face that just wasn't said out loud. Right. So I I feel like he did a real In great the second job. half of this movie, he he was an interesting character and had an interesting performance, not so much in his first half of screen time, I didn't think. I think that's fair. Uh just off the bat, I want to ask what your general thoughts are. I will never watch this. this movie again. Um Because you hated it? Uh I'm not going to say I hated it. I didn't enjoy it. Um, this is a super bleak movie and I'm not putting that down. It just is one of those movies that I, I had a hard time connecting with because it just was, even with hopeful parts at the, in the, the second, the third act of this movie, I just found this movie insanely bleak and, um, just joyless kind of and and i understand that that's what the role of some movies are and i like some movies like that but i just could not i i had a really really hard time connecting to this movie it's slow it's very long and when you're not having a good time that's like dragging your feet through mud and i yeah it's a turkish prison movie i didn't expect to have a good time but Ultimately, there's a message of hope in this movie, and I think the hope has a hard time coming through. I think they make it so bleak that I really had a hard time seeing the good things that came through in this movie. 
I, I think that's fair. I have some comparisons of movies that I think did it better. Um, did the same sort of... It, it's it's maybe an unfair comparison to compare this to something like The Green Mile. I was going to go straight there. But uh, because the tones are so different and it's such a different style of filmmaking. But there there is a a similar message of hope through the darkness and karma in gr- the green mile that i think just comes through better this this movie is so dark and so sad that i it just was a chore for me listen i had to find a way to top marriage story i'm i'm kidding i uh, would watch marriage story a hundred times before i watch this movie I'm so and this is not i i want to be clear here this movie is beautifully made this movie is very well made it looks great it's shot incredibly well. The performances are great across the board. This isn't a cartoonish portrayal of a mentally handicapped person. Not at all. But it, it, it's, there's nothing wrong with this movie on a technical level. And there are... It's it's like um, movies that I don't connect with of different genres, like Scott Pilgrim. I recognize as a well-made movie, but that's a movie that is not for me. Yeah, I just don't connect. I, I can't ding it on any technical level that it's not made well or not written well and this is the same kind of thing i i just there's a tonal problem and it just doesn't connect with me this is a well-made movie though i i understand that that's not for everyone uh truly i did not remember how sad this movie is it's just depressing and it's but yeah but i remembered it and it's relentless like (laughs) for yeah. For about an hour and a half of its 2.15, something like that. Two hours, 15 minutes, somewhere yeah. in there. Two and a half hours. For a good, like, 90 minutes, it is just relentlessly depressing. I, but the thing is, I walked away from this movie feeling good the first time. That's what I remembered, is walking away feeling good. And, like, but then again, I'm a weird person, like... I'm one of those people who likes to listen to sad songs and people are like, oh, I am too. Yeah. I had a coworker. He was like, why do you want to listen to this song? It's just depressing. And I was like, I don't know. It gives it me cathartis me or yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, this movie like tugs at my heartstrings, but that in the end, I feel like it's worth it, but that's different for everyone. Like, right. Everyone has their limit. Everyone has this... their preference at, as far as movies go. You you brought this up and kind of described it on our last show. And I said, oh, so it's like Midnight Express. But this is as joyless a movie as Midnight Express is. Uh, mm-hmm. Midnight Express is a, a movie from the 70s about an American who's trying to smuggle drugs out of Istanbul and gets caught and thrown in a Turkish prison. And it's all about his time in this Turkish prison being raped and beaten and... Uh, you know, like, and then he does like sort of form friendships with it's, it's not dissimilar to this movie. Interesting. And it is also a joyless film. Like it's, it's a uh, Oliver Stone wrote it. I don't think he directed it, but it's like an early Oliver Stone screenplay. And it's this really kind of big deal in his career. But I watched that movie when I was probably around your age. And I'm like, this movie is, is just dark and sad 
and just kind of disturbing. Can can I fight you on that though? Because I the term joyless, I'm not Okay. I don't think that's fair. I understand it's, it's, what you're saying. It's probably not, but it's the feeling I got and I understand you can't judge the merit of a film on what it does to you personally. You know, if you don't like if you don't like kids' movies, but you're a movie critic and you're tasked with reviewing a kids' movie, you can't just go, well, I hate cartoons, so therefore this movie sucks. Right. You, you have to review it in context. You're right. There are there are high points to this movie. I'm not going to say... Joyless is not a... It's it's not a fair term. You're correct. Uh, this isn't as joyless as Midnight Express. <laughs> but, but this movie is... I mean, for like a half hour, we're just watching people beat the shit out of a mentally handicapped man. Yeah. Who doesn't understand where he is or what's happening to him. And it's just like, my God, man, like it, it, it is, it's hard to, it's hard to watch this movie. It, it really is. And I'm... it doesn't get a ray of sunshine until very late in the movie. I but I would say that the relationship between uh Memo and uh his daughter like I feel like that is the emotional crux of this movie. Oh, for and sure it is. We we get that like when when she's snuck into the prison like that's where That's where it turns. Yeah. Yes. And um I I don't know. I really like that middle part of the movie. But I wouldn't say I I, to... I wouldn't say I really like it, but it is easier to stomach no it is it's it's, I, I it's an it easier watch and if more of the movie had had that tone i i would have i wouldn't be so hard on this movie i if 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 a if they would shaved from 20 minutes of watching them beat a mentally handicapped man down to 10 and fill those other 10 minutes up with some sort of like camaraderie in in the cell block in the, in the squad bay. You know what I mean? It takes a long time to get to where you they start to bond and and everything. Once they do, it does take on a lighter, not lighter tone, because the stakes are still there. But that's what I'm saying. That's when this movie is okay. When they are, when there is a tone and there is a sense of friendship, when there is a sense of community in the jail, with the guys in the jail, and when they sneak his daughter... It all starts to sort of steamroll, and it never takes away from the stakes of this movie. You still understand, like, there's an execution looming overhead. There are stakes to proving his innocence and, and things like that, where it's it never gets lighthearted, but it's not so depressing because it's like Shawshank in that way, where you get a sense of community in this bleak place. Sure, I'm... I'm actually interested now because uh, this is based off of the Korean movie, which is a drama comedy. It is specifically more lighthearted. And I heard that and I was like, wow, that seems kind of... Oh, yeah. It's about a clown prison, right? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that seems a little disingenuous to this story to have it be comedic. But I don't know. The lighthearted parts of this movie do work. And I also think they overdid it with hammering in, like, oh, look, he's being mistreated. Like, 
we kind of get that from the get-go. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think they needed to drag that out as much as they did. The, the hardest part is when you're watching him be fingerprinted, when they're forcing a confession out of him. Like, because he's clearly, like, super confused, and they're beating him, and he doesn't know what's happened, and he's just seen this dramatic thing of this child dying. And, it, like, it's like, that's hard enough. I don't need another 20 minutes of them beating the shit out of this guy. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued now too of like the comedy at like, I'm sure it's not like Anchorman. No, you no, know, I, I or, or some Adam McKay comedy, but like, but I mean, this is a story. Like, I think the main plot of the original story revolved around getting the daughter in the prison and like the hijinks of kind of like <laughs> right. cat and mouse, which is weird. I think. For that Maybe, to be, yeah, it's like Hogan's, know. like Hogan's Heroes, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> where it's just like it's this comedy about a German POW camp. Ooh, hilarious! You know, but, super funny subject, <laughs> but it's all about sneaking around and yeah, um, yeah. That's really that's really strange. Um, but but I find that this movie, at its heart, is trying to send a message about rehabilitation. Uh, specifically with the supporting cast, how all of these people are in prison, but, you know, there are reasons for that. They they touch sure. on, you know, homelessness. This guy's a seasonal worker because he, he right. you know, commits he, crimes to be put in prison so he doesn't die on the streets. There's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of them I didn't quite pick up exactly what they were in there for. I think things were lost in translation and things were moving fast. There's and, a lot of cultural aspects to it, this but, movie. Um, no, I think this movie was saying something about, you know, prisoners' rights. Um, it was saying something about coerced uh, confessions, you know, mm-hmm. which I'm glad that, you know, Korea and Turkey can shed some light on that because we don't know anything about any of these things in the United States. I mean, it's completely foreign concepts. That's a joke. That's I'm, a, that's I'm a total aware. Joke. Watch a confession tape sometime. Um, but like, uh, uh, yeah, it's trying to, ban- and, and like the political aspects of like, well, we can't prove him innocent because this was the general's daughter that died or, you know, whatever it was. This is like, he's basically. He's out for blood. He, he's basically been uh, uh, sent to be executed without a trial. Uh, anyone who can exonerate him, the guy who, who saw it is murdered he's a deserter it's like yeah uh it's like a shawshank style thing like that's straight out of that where the guy who can prove the innocence is killed in order to you know keep the political machine moving right um but yeah like it's trying to do all of these things and i think it does them well but it's like on top of the story about the family and the tragedy around that like, it's also trying to bring in all of these themes. And I think that's why this movie has to be, like, so big and so long and hits so many depressing themes. Do you think it's bogged down by that? No. Because I think it does all of those well. It does it well with a, It never is preaching. It's never blatantly telling you what it's about. It's just showing you. and Which is, I think, the right way to handle any issue you want to have in a film. It's almost like, this is what I'm figuring out, is uh, 
if you want to talk about an issue in a movie, don't talk about it. Just show it. Right. People will get it. Like Th- this whole movie is show don't tell pretty much. Like half of the half of the guys like they don't really explicitly say why they're in there right. or what they're about, but you kind of get the message. You kind of get that that one guy Al uh he he's kind of the head of the cell block. He has a relationship with the warden and he's able right. to get stuff in there and there's kind of this hierarchy that you see. Yeah, that there is a there's a political there's a society and an economy within the prison. Yeah. And he's there to keep that cell block in line, you know, and in return he gets he gets the warden's ear. He gets to go talk to him whenever he wants, you know, like he kind of walks around like he works there. Yeah. Like he just kind of busts into his office at the end. <laughs> but, but um, then again, he also gets uh kind of the shit when like when the daughter's in the prison, he's like, right. what the hell? How did you let this happen? Right. Like, like if anything goes wrong, he's to blame. Right. Um, which is, that's kind of the turning point for the movie, I think. Not just when she's in there, but when the warden discovers it and he convinces the warden, like, we think Memo's innocent. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's like, look at him. He has a brain the size of a pea. You know, you can't exit. Like, it's almost like whether he did this or not, like, that's the other thing that's sort of just floating under the surface in this movie is like, it's... Is it moral to execute uh, a mentally handicapped person who doesn't even really have a concept of why they are in prison or what's happened? Right. Like, you know he, what I mean? Like He's innocent in this case, but if you think about but, it, like even if he had accidentally pushed her, accidentally caused it in right. some way, it wasn't on purpose. It's, it's like a, a mice and men kind of scenario with like Lenny is... I, I don't know the plot there. Is the, uh, he's like a big uh, mentally handicapped guy, but he's like huge and he's strong. And like George is looking out for him. Yeah, it's, it's Mice and Man. It's, I don't want to sit here and explain a hundred year old book. <laughs> but like, you know, he gets in trouble. And at the, uh, spoiler alert, hundred year old book, uh, uh, at the end of, of the story, he like, I think he accidentally kills somebody. And then it's just sort of like this, he doesn't understand what, like the whole thing is like, he doesn't understand what he's doing. And then there's, yeah, it takes a really dark turn at the end. Um, Anyway, that's all (laughs) neither here nor there. It's the idea of like, is it the state executing somebody who doesn't even really belong in prison? Because they even bring it up. They're like, he's not sane. And they're like, well, the, the board cleared him. Right. You know, like someone should be in like an asylum or something like that if they thought he had done that. Right. I think this whole movie, like, you're right that the turning point is when uh, they find the daughter in the cell. But, like, ultimately, even before that, like, the warden is questioning things. Like, from the moment that he asks, when can I go home? Like, he just... Like, you can right. see the gears turning, and everyone sees how he acts with the birds, and they're like, this guy is not capable of what they're saying. Something's not adding up here. Yeah, it's a, um, it's there. I feel like the, 
the performances of like the warden and like the head guard. You know who I'm talking about? The the other Yeah, he's working for the military. The military guard, yeah. Um you don't really see the depth of that until after they decide that he's innocent. You know what I mean? I think it's just maybe is because it's dragged down by the first half of this movie for me. But but I think also the like it shows they're afraid like even if they think that they're they just dismiss it because what can we do? We that, that's the reality of being in like a government job is you are part of the machine. You, your job in, I mean, it's a state run prison, so it's probably, I don't know how Turkish government is set up, but I'm sure there's some, the the military is there as guards. I'm sure that it's all sort of tied in together. Yeah. But that's how military and military organizations work is you're given an order and you do the order. And, you know, it's the whole idea is is the top is responsible and it trickles down and you are to do the order without question. And if it's wrong, then it's supposed to blow back on the person responsible. But it's not your job. It's not your job to to question it. It's just your job to do it. And I think that's where this comes into something very interesting is he's, it's again, I'm going to keep going to the green mile because this is the best comparison I can make is that in the Green Mile, Tom Hanks is doing the same thing. His character is doing the same thing, is questioning, do I put this man to death who's not only innocent, but is like legitimately like a saint, you know, and, and, you know, what's my penalty for doing that? And then he, you know, he follows orders. He does what he has to do. And then he gets his penalty for, you know what I mean? Like there is a karma to what he did. And I think that's where, uh, I don't want to say this movie falls apart at the end, but it's, it's hard to see this as an uplifting movie or an uplifting ending when somebody else had to be executed in his place for his freedom. And I understand that was a, a martyrdom thing. That was a sacrifice and it is, there's nobility in, in what that character did. But I just feel like, oh yeah, it's not like a clean getaway. Like someone still had to go to the gallows. I I did want to talk about that because do you think that's a cop out? Like, because there is that emotional moment of like, oh he died, and then actually we flash back, and no, he didn't. And right. but but there's I, so many flashbacks within flashbacks in this movie, and I think that's partly because uh, Western storytelling is very linear, and I I think a lot of yeah maybe when, when we watch foreign movies, there's a lot of like non-linear storytelling. Yeah, there are. Yeah, I guess we Lady Snowblood was the same. There was yeah. a, a, a a lot in there but, too. But uh the thing that I find interesting is that it's not without cost. Like there's still a death right. and also the death makes sense. It's not just like the cell block leader or some random like the suicidal guy like, "Oh, I'm I'm going to take your place." Like it's this man who murdered there was a him. suicidal guy. There was a su- yeah, I'm, I'm but, but he was too, essentially. I mean yeah, but he didn't take the place. I'm saying, I'm 
the the man who took the place has significance because he murdered his own daughter right. and is grief stricken by that. Like he he's like, I'm going to hell. There's no way around. I did a terrible thing. And he basically comes to the conclusion that there is something he can do. He can at least save another person, another father, daughter, and he can do this for them as a way of at least making things right, maybe? No, I Or at least doing something good. It's not... I think calling it a cop-out is not fair. But it all... It's a very neat bow for a very dark movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's a very convenient uh, situation. You're like, oh, you have this guy who just happens to be suicidal and uh, in need of good karma. And this is a way that he... Because there's a lot of... um, I do like... I like the older guy in the cell block i don't know his name but he's like the spiritual leader yeah the the, the i think he's a a priest of some, some kind. sort of I, I don't Islamic, know what religion uh, it holy is. man yeah. but yeah um and he's he's like counseling multiple people in there about like the reality of suicide and like you'll go to hell for it and then kind of it's a weird thing because i i i feel like the reason the reason to call that a cop out is because it just sort of it's not a talking point through the whole movie. It kind of comes and goes. But at the end he's just sort of like, "Oh no, this is the loophole that you can commit suicide and still get into heaven because you're helping somebody else do it." I don't it, know if it's specifically suicide though. I right, mean, that's I mean, it, but it's just the idea of giving yourself up to die to be a martyr is is different than than being suicidal it's a it's a jesus christ moment i mean i know we're talking about uh muslims in here but like they it, they do mention jesus it, at one it is point. an idea of him being very christ-like and and sacrificing himself for something else right um no i don't I, i'm not gonna call it a cop-out but it 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 does seem uh it seems a little bit tidy and and a little bit of like a there's like this very kind of happy ending to the to them reuniting but it's also like hey nobody seems to really be mentioning like the dark shadow of this man who died in the gallows to make this happen and there is the it, nod. It, it is there. It is there. I'm not going to say it's not there. That's. Not I understand there. what you're saying, though. You know I, what I mean? I like it. yeah. it's just sort of like it's like at the end of any sort of like war movie or big action movie where they're like joking around at the end. It's like, uh, yeah, like thousands of people died. <laughs> like, every. It's okay. You can say every Avengers movie. <laughs> every, we leveled the city. <laughs> hey, let's go have some shawarma, huh? But um. No, that's it. I mean, this this is what I'm saying. It's hard for me to argue that this isn't a good movie with good themes with that's well-written and things like that. It just... I had a hard... It was a chore for me. This movie is is not fun. I, I get it. I, I really can't argue with that. I just... I don't know where to go with that conversation, though. No, I mean... Like... 
It's it's just my opinion. I'm not I'm not looking to like fight you on it or or anything. No, no, but... I'm not like I'm. I don't think you're wrong for not liking the movie. I'm. I don't know. I I had wished you liked it a little more. It's not. I I don't even know if I would describe it as I don't like it. It's almost just sort of like. You didn't enjoy watching the the experience of watching the movie was not what I would call a good experience. I wouldn't want to watch it again, but there is a story here. And there, I think there's a, I think there's a, a good, the good bones of a story here. And like I said, this is a technically very well-made movie. Like it, I, I can't, I, I'm, I have a harder time criticizing it because the things I don't like about it are just about like my personal taste. And, and that's, that's not a reflection on the movie as much as it's a reflection on me. It's like, it's just a very kind of drab, uh, uh, chore. Sure. You know what I mean? I, I, I couldn't watch this movie like every year. Like I, I would have to, I'm going to watch it again at some point, but I have to wait another, a while to forget you have about to watch it. The, you have to watch the Korean version next. Oh, I don't know. There, there's also uh, there's a Filipino version. There's there's like a whole bunch hmm. of uh, countries have done their own version. Uh, and I think I forgot to mention this in the beginning, but this is actually based on a true story. Uh, this happened in Korea uh, in the seventies. Um, a man was accused of the murder and rape of a little girl uh and he was acquitted in like 2005 because it turned out he was beaten and forced to confess and he was not of mentally sane mind to be able to confess to that but uh i i don't know i i think it's interesting that this is based on real events and also that it sparked so many movies like it sparked the original movie, but then that was made in 2013. Uh, and in 2019, there were like three different movies made. Oh, all wow. adaptions of that. So I, I don't know what exactly it's spawned like the, that many. It's like the new, uh, it's like the new Amy Fisher. Um, That's it. Yeah. I, I don't know what that <laughs> reference is at all, but I'm Amy, Fisher, with Amy Fisher was a, a real story where uh, she was like 15 years old and uh, she had an affair with a, a married man on Long Island and she went and shot his wife in the face. My God. And then they made the, like the three uh, TV networks, because there was three at the time, all made movie of the week. And they all came out like the same week. Like the, the the networks just rushed to make a like movie of the week of of the Amy Fisher story, and it was just like it was just like bombarded with. with oh, oh. It was, see, see now I'm thinking. <laughs> so, I'm I'm thinking who is the the Stockholm? No, uh, the some mom made her daughter fake like disabilities oh and, like i know that uh, i i can't remember the name but like they made a ton of movies and uh there's like a tv, shows uh, about TV show yeah. that uh uh christy watched i don't remember what it was called but i know exactly what similar, you're talking about yeah the, there are certain stories that everyone's like oh my that god that's a they tragedy. get in the zeitgeist Let's and everybody is like that would make a, a great 
movie or right, a great let's latch on to that. And I think all of these movies, uh, you know, kind of touch on political, very political issues. Uh, I think this is the one that handled it the best, though, because it is by far the most popular. It, like, soared in popularity across the world uh, just, like, two years ago when it went on Netflix. Uh, well, does the availability of it have anything to do with that as well? It could, but... I mean, I really don't know. I, I can't I'm not. I'm not, and I'm not trying... That's not a dig on the movie. I just, you know, sometimes that's what helps push something... And like I say, this is a really well-made movie. So, yeah, it stands to reason that this would be the one Netflix picks up. And I, this is the one that they kind of... Is the Korean version on Netflix? Uh, no, but it was on a streaming platform, I think Hulu for a time. But uh, I, I looked up... I was trying to find out, uh, like, why did I find this one? Because a bunch of people were talking about it. But I was like, why was it suddenly popular? And apparently, like, a Brazilian football player, uh, soccer for you Americans. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> in case you were confused. Uh, he, like, tweeted about how this movie made him ball like a baby. Uh, and so I guess that kind of got the ball rolling and it became trending. This was, like, pre-pandemic, but... Uh, well, consider that um, that football, not American... Just football players anywhere in the world, soccer players anywhere in the world except America, are enormous stuff. Like they're celebrities. They're, they're big, big they're, celebrities. They're way bigger celebrities than like our athletes are here. Like take someone like jeez, uh, I don't even know who the top athlete in the united states i would think like tom brady is really well known sure. uh tom brady take his instagram followers he probably has a few million instagram followers like uh european football stars have like you know half a billion you know like right. it's, it's insane like so if it stands to reason that if they're watching something and it resonates with them and they tweet it out how many people is that hitting as opposed to anybody else in the world, even our biggest stars here who don't have that kind of like fanatical, huge. I mean, it's an unthinkable number of people listening to what you're saying. You know, half a billion people can listen to, you know, right. your, movie, then, your movie recommendation. And then even if like 10% of them watch the movie yeah. and then tell their friends, that's, that's the thing about word of mouth is like, no one advertised this movie to make it like right. kind of skyrocket, but it's there. Well, that's you can't buy that kind of. Uh, well, PR. you you can you you can try, but it costs you a lot for him to just watch the movie and resonate. I mean, how many how many of that football player's sponsors pay him a lot of money for that kind of exposure? And That's true. he just watched a movie and was like, hey, this movie rules. And yeah, uh, yeah that took off. That's crazy. But um, I do want to... I do want to talk about the things that I did like about this movie. So I'm not just sitting here beating it unfairly. Because... Go for it. I, I, don't, I don't want to come down hard on this movie. 
and I just want to be clear about this. This movie just wasn't for me. I I know that. Yeah. I I, I just I want to make sure everybody understands. I'm not being being a dick or saying this isn't a good movie. I would have a hard time recommending this to people because it is a hard watch. And I think it's one of those things where it's like, give it a shot if you if you're curious about it. But it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, some movies are really good that I would never do a big recommendation on a platform like this. A one on one where I know the person I'd be like, yeah, you'll like this or you won't like this. But when I just a blanket recommendation, I'd be like, oh, I don't know, this movie's not for everyone. So, someone will be like, I got depression from watching right. this movie. This really, and it's on this you. really put. Uh, you know, my uncle was sent to prison uh, for a crime he didn't commit, and he was also mentally handicapped. No, I liked, uh, I liked the relationships in this movie uh, that Memo had with everybody. I liked the relationship he had with his daughter, of course, but I really liked the the camaraderie. In the cell, in cell seven. Mm -hmm. I thought that it was beautiful when he was leaving and saying goodbye to everybody. I thought that was the most emotional part of the whole movie for me. When, it was, yeah. When he was leaving and then when, in the flashback, when, I don't remember the guy's name, the guy who actually got hanged. Yeah, I, I don't uh, know his name either. When he was leaving. I, I thought that was just beautiful because it just, from him showing up there and the whole squad bay beating the shit out of him because they thought he was a child murderer to uh, rallying for him and, you know, getting to know his daughter and all of these, you I, know, like... I, he... I think my favorite scene... Sorry to cut you off, but no. uh, when when they're having, like, drinks and they're, like, asking him questions and he's like, oh, uh, her her mom's an angel now and then they're like talking about oh the wedding night and he like oh. goes to the bedroom and they're all like cheering him on and like <laughs> the, the, so. the, the the he's explaining how, who who her mom was and all that and yeah how, there, there was some sort of arranged marriage and then something yeah i didn't he he makes a comment about how they went to the bedroom and they right. all cheer like a oh yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah and it it's funny. It's... It is. No, it is. It's because it is uh, forgive how I'm putting this. I can't think of a better word. It's a normal guy thing. You know what I mean? Like it's a he's having a normal conversation with a bunch yeah. of guys. I, I, I was going to say he's it's not like a... locker room talk, but that kind of has negative connotations. It, but it, but, it, but like, that, it, it, essentially gross. that is what it is. And he's not being treated as a disabled person. He's just a guy having a guy conversation and they're not making fun of him for it. No, they're laughing they're, with they're, him. It's all just sort of like this normal thing. And the other, there's a another scene that's sort of like that but it's not sexual is when his daughter is in there. Not the first time, but when like she comes back, like I, apparently she comes back regularly. <laughs> what during one of her visits. Keep, yeah. Right. And he, he's asking about like all the sheep and they're like, who are all these people? You said you don't have anybody. And he's like, they're sheep. And they're like, Oh Jesus Christ. You know, like you the gave guy, them human names. <laughs> right. And, right. <laughs> and they're kind of like busting his balls, but it is like you, it's in a familial way. It's it's in a way of they are like this weird family unit now. And in the same way that like, 
brothers make fun of each other or are like, oh my God, this is the dumbest thing ever. Like, it's that. And it it's, it's not them picking on him in a we don't like you way. It shows the relationship that's come together over, I don't know how much time he's in this prison, but like, and it just does sort of demonstrate how close they all have gotten over that time and that he actually does have people now. Yeah. I, I'm, which is also, that's when he finds out his grandmother died. Yes. In that same scene, which is also like very sad, but it shows how they rally for him too. That, that is okay. You talk about this movie being depressing. That is the one plot point that is completely irrelevant and just like extra sadness sprinkled in. Like, why did she have to die? Like, I like that the teacher steps in to take care of the right. child. I like, like the scenes afterwards. But it is really like, I think part if, of it if is you wanted to, you could cut that out. You could rework the story, and I think it would be better for it. You could. I think part of it is sort of hammering home the idea that uh, that if he is put to death, she will be truly like by herself. She will have no family left. Right, she's without anyone. And also the idea that uh, the grandma promised that she wasn't going anywhere. And that if, and he also promised that. And you know what I mean? Like if another of those promises is broken to her, like how devastating is that? These people promised to take care of me and raise me. And now they're going away. That is really sad. To that I'm, he, I'm he not... is really like her last hope of having family, right? And and that is truly like Grandma's like, no, I'm I'm not going to heaven. But ultimately, she doesn't have any control over that. She's just trying to comfort her, right? And it's I don't know. There's something sad about that. <laughs> don't make those promises to children. <laughs> That's right. I'm gonna die when you're nine years. That's old. That's the moral of this story. Um, and I, I also wanted to touch on just how beautifully shot this movie is. This like, movie looks great. It's gorgeous. Like all of the landscape, like they just show incredible scenery, uh, you know, his house, they're always showing wonderful sunsets. Yeah. Uh, there's the tree and the one prisoner's flashback. It keeps going back to that. Like, Oh, yeah. The thing know, on the wall, the stain on the wall that looks like the tree. He and sees a tree. Back there. Yeah. And, and how only the child sees it as a tree as well right. and that connection. Well, and that, uh, that connection to like them looking at the clouds, uh, looking at the, was it the one-eyed giant? Yeah, like um, which I think is just a bad translation of Cyclops. I think that's a literal translation. That uh, could be, yeah. Um. But I, I don't know. Uh, and then there's also, like, some really great, just, like, composition and symbolism. Like, uh, when when she runs into the prison the first time uh, and is banging on the wall and he's on oh, the yeah. other side right. of the wall. Like, it's just wonderfully shot how they have it. Uh, the, over the, the zooming over, the, over yeah. the barrier. And then also, in all of the shots... She's looking up at the wall, and then he's looking down at the wall. Like they, right, the right. The way they it's, shot it's, that, it's like a yeah, like what if the wall wasn't here? Right. It's it's just a visually a well put together yeah. movie. Right. 
Yeah, no, it really is. I can't, I can't argue. Like I said, this movie is really well made. And, uh, uh, I, I can't ding it for any of that. Yeah. It's good stuff. That's, that's really all I have on this movie, though. I, I don't know if there's more you wanted to touch I'm on. I'm sure there is a lot more, um, <laughs> uh, Turkish is a, it's a harsh language. It is, uh, uh, that's, I have in my notes. You put that down as a note? Because in the first half of this movie, there is a lot of Turkish people shouting. Yeah. And I think, um, that it, it, in a, at a high volume, uh, can really beat down American ears. It's, it's a, it's not a, a language like Spanish or French that's sort of, rounded off sonically do you know what i mean yeah it's a lot lot of of harsh harsh syllables to it and uh it can it can kind of uh this is not to to dig on harsh languages like that like german or things Mm -hmm. like that like it it can be a lot because there's a lot of people shouting there's a lot of shrill children at the parade that are shouting in turkish and it, it like there's a lot of sensory overload in the first half of this movie. I I get what you're saying. Like I I get that sometimes with uh, Japanese with anime. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I get uh, it's it's, it's just like a sensory bit of overload. Shock. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're not used to it, and um, uh, yeah. I the, the the enunciation and stuff is on like different syllables, different parts of the word, and it makes it harsh yeah it's just a thing of uh culture shock is a good way to put it if you're not used to it it can really kind of like like uh not put you off but it's just sort of like geez it's all it's like right in your face you know um so it it did uh lessen the more i watched the movie i think it's like watching a lot of foreign movies you You, get used to you kind of settle into it a little bit but at the beginning it is sort of an adjustment period but i will say that is way better than watching this movie dubbed. Any movie dubbed. I hate oh, sure. dubs. It's so... Uh, there's I, exceptions I to the dub rule, but yeah, I get it. I would, I I would rather watch it, it subtitled as well. Subtitles for the win. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's what I got on this. I don't have much else. Um, I, I know... If, this, <laughs> if I Am Sam and Midnight Express had a baby, it would be this movie. Um, I don't know I Am Sam, but... I Am Sam is a uh, movie about a mentally handicapped man who has a daughter who loses custody of her and then has to prove himself to be a uh, worthy parent. I've seen a uh, trailer Sean, of Sean Penn plays yeah. a man. Dakota Fanning is the little girl. See, I, I want to combine this with The Green Mile and... Forrest Gump, like just there's uh, both Tom Hanks movies. They just, uh, I feel I, like it's, but much darker. There of is a Forrest Gump connection I made in here too. I don't know if I wrote it down. Oh, by the way, this is such a better depiction of mental handicaps than Forrest Gump. I'm sorry, um, it's a bad depiction. It, it's not For, at Forrest all. Forrest Gump accurate. is not meant to be mentally handicapped as much as I think, kind of like a simpleton. I don't think he's meant to be like actually what we would consider like uh I guess at the time we called it mentally retarded or um 
just an intellectual uh, disability. Yeah, yeah, right. I think I think he just is a low IQ simpleton, and that's I I don't think it was. Uh, but looking, this is also better than like uh, I am Sam because that is such an Oscar bait like performance. It was this period mm-hmm. of time in the late nineties when all the big actors were playing mentally handicapped characters. Was that at the same time as what's eating Gilbert's grape? No, that was like 10 years before that. Um, but then it all got, all of that got parodied in uh tropic thunder where Ben Stiller's character had played uh simple Jack and he had gotten passed over for, for the Oscar, and he couldn't understand why. He's like, I played him, <laughs> you know. Isn't that the same movie where uh, they do blackface, but like Robert it's da- making fun Robert of Robert Downey Jr. plays uh, a guy who who's playing a black guy. <laughs> yes, it's all. Traffic Thunder is an incredible send up of actors who are fishing for Oscars. That's a lot of it's social great. commentary, it's... though. That's very accurate to the day it was very controversial when it came out because uh they do use the r word in there but Mm. they're making fun of actors for referring to it he goes you went full r word he goes you don't go full r he's trying to coach him on how to play a mentally handicapped person in a way that you can win an oscar and it's all just hilarious because it's like it's not making fun of handicapped people it's making fun of people the tone deaf people who use handicapped people yes. in order to win awards and and be self centered. It's just Tropic Thunder is fantastic, and and for all these reasons, it is so making fun of all of these things. I only know Robert about Downey that. Jr. is great as as a, as a completely tone deaf blackface character. I only know that movie because every few years people like to resurface mm-hmm. pictures of that movie. And be like, you know, right? Robert Downey Jr. is a terrible person, no. and they put him in with like uh, Justin Trudeau and all these other people who actually did blackface. And it's like people need no, to watch. Yeah, please. people are still missing the point of that movie. And well, a it, lot of people now call call out posts like that. They're like, yeah, no, this is you have to a watch it in context. On it. It's, yeah. Right? It's it's great. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're way off track now. I, we are. Next uh, week, we're watching Tropic Thunder. <laughs> uh, to, to close out, I want to say, I know you wouldn't recommend this movie. Uh, I also probably would not recommend this movie. Uh, it's hard, right? It's, it, hard. it's a it, hard movie to recommend. It's a difficult, in the same way that there are a few shows, uh, like Rita um, is a show that, it's about a teacher, but yeah. it gets really really dark and depressing at times it's and sad of the, I, what i've seen of it i haven't watched the whole thing but, yeah, I, yeah. I, I find it hard to recommend things like that to people but like watching a movie about depressing uh not depressing people but people with depression yes i've worded that horribly it's it's not a ding against depression you know but it it's not necessarily uplifting it can it can kind of suck some energy out of you. Yeah, the, those are just a personal taste that I enjoy. Right. That I, and not all the time. There are a lot of times where I'm like, I'm going to watch a Pixar movie because no thank you. Right. I cannot do any serious movies See, today. this is what the MCU is for. 
when you need something to lighten it up, that's when you put on MCU movies. That's right. Right after this, uh, turn on, I don't know, Avengers 2? Uh, Thor Ragnarok. I... Well, that's a much better one. I, I was just thinking you of, want like, something... Sokovia, like, <laughs> next to Turkey. I don't... I don't know what I... I'm making some what's weird the, what's the there. What's the most, uh... What's the most Turkish of the MCU movies? Ooh. Hmm. We'll never know. Captain Turkey? Captain Turkey. <laughs> yes, please. Please make that movie. All right. Yeah. That is this movie. That's this movie. Miracle in Cell Number 7. Yeah. Good pick. Again, a movie I would not have watched on my own. Regardless yeah. of what I, I thought of it, good pick. There's a lot to talk about here. Fair enough. And we do like to talk, as evidenced by as our As evidenced podcast. here. Um, shout outs. Let's talk about it. Midnight Riders. Yeah, that's, uh, do we know when that's coming out exactly? I don't know when it's coming out, but I do just want to shout it out. And I'm sure I shouted it out last season too. Um, the, you can find it wherever you get podcasts and our episodes from last season are up there. So, um, you can listen to those if you haven't, and it kind of gives you an idea of the process of this thing. You can listen to how we did it last year. Um, and you can just subscribe and then when new episodes start dropping, um, they'll show up on your phone or wherever, but it's a really, I, I enjoyed doing this last year and I'm enjoying doing it this year, partly for the writing challenge and partly because we're doing the writing challenge, uh, and, and talking about it the right. way we are. As a group together, I, I think that makes it more fun. Uh, it makes it a lot more fun. And and also to have support. like Sure. you Like, we have a Twitter uh, group going and, like, and there's, an there's email chain and... Um, sending back and forth. How no. do you write this? Or what, right. what's an example of this? Oh, here's this script I found that has this. It's, it's nice to have that camaraderie, like... We're not working together because we all have our individual projects, but... But there's a support system built in. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, we can proofread each other's things and, and kind of get a sense of where everybody's at, help everybody along, be encouraging. It's, it, it is great to do it that way. And then, um, like, I enjoy hearing people's processes how they work how they like to work i like coming together and doing a call with everybody you know and these are the episodes where we talk about how do we approach this how do we do this how do we break down the work how do we outline it how do we write it you know and uh, that that is really interesting to me because everyone kind of does that a bit differently for sure we all have our own process everybody's got their own preferences and uh and I just think it's really interesting to, to talk about that kind of stuff. So, uh, The Midnight Writers, that is writers, uh, wherever you get podcasts. And to speak to the to the um, community aspect of it, you and I, living in the same house, like, that's been helpful as well. Just to, you know, like, on a micro level, we're kind of like, 
checking in with each other every day and yeah. stuff like that. How many pages have you It, it like, kind of keeps not? you accountable a little bit to, to have somebody right here and be like, oh, see, you're not working there, Dad. And, uh, yeah. Yes, because I'm the one who's on you about not working. I'm not. I haven't said a thing to you about not working. I, I know. I've. I, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> but you better get to work. Anyway, that is uh, the Midnight Riders, and that is our sole shout out this this week, uh, just because it's all about us. That's right, and we've been so busy with that that we haven't found time to find anything. I have not consumed. Honestly, I watch that movie, watch Mad Men while I'm having breakfast, but other yeah. than that, I really haven't. Uh, I haven't done much. It's all been about writing this week, which is not a bad thing. So. Um, Sorry, I was gonna skip ahead. Never no, mind. no. It was uh, what? What's the movie for next week? Since since I started okay. that question. Um, uh, next week, I have it right here. Miller's Crossing. Very nice. Right there. Right Old here. School. DVD, baby. I don't Miller's know what Crossing. Those are. Uh, <laughs> I'll set it up for you. I'll set up the projector. Uh, Miller's Crossing is a Coen Brothers gangster movie. Uh, it is among my very favorite Coen Brothers movies. Gabriel Byrne, Marsha Gay Harden, John Turturro, who we just saw in The Batman, Ooh. and Albert Finney, among many others. It's a great, great movie. I love it a lot, and I am happy to bring it to the show. Very cool. I, I've seen a few Coen Brother movies. Uh, what have you seen? Seen True Grit and oh yeah oh I, this isn't our first uh, Cohen movie I think there's another one I've seen but I can't remember I'm sure you have there I mean they've, they've made, done a lot yeah uh, you watched Inside Lewin Davis with me which is also right up there uh, with yeah. my favorite you seen uh, Lebowski Big Lebowski I think I saw that a while ago yeah uh, Raising Arizona. I caught half of that on TV. Okay, you would like Raising Arizona a lot. I think. I, um, I thought it yeah. was it's them kidnapping a baby or something, yeah. right? Nic- yeah, Nicholas Cage and Holly Hunter. Uh, yeah, I I thought that was funny, but I I didn't Randall watch the text full thing. cop. Yeah, we'll watch it at some point, probably on here. But um, oh, we watched Fargo a few weeks ago. That's it. Yeah. Um, I I was trying to think. There was one in recent memory. Fargo. I'm going to look this up for sure. I think when they were writing Fargo, they hit writer's block. So they broke away and they're like, let's just do something else. uh, And then go back to writing Fargo. And they wrote Miller's Crossing in like two weeks or something like that. Yeah. Miller's Crossing is a weird, like in between movie between like their big movies. And, and, uh, yeah, I'm really stoked. But that's to, to sometimes where that. you find your best work. Right? I re- yeah, for sure. Anyway, I'm really excited to watch that and to introduce it to you because it's one of my favorites. Cool, cool, cool. On that note, we want to thank you for listening to this episode of The Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. If you enjoy our show, please leave a review on your podcatcher of choice. It helps our visibility. It helps us grow the show. Do you know another way to help us grow the show? How's that, Oz? You can force your friend to watch it. That's right. If you beat them into signing <laughs> a paper that f- ensures that they subscribe to our podcast on wherever you get your podcasts, 
that'll can that'll them, help us out. Beat them into a uh, uh, positive review, like a five star review. You just like lock them in a room with an iPhone and beat them till they leave a good review. That's it. That's I mean that's how we've gotten most of our fans uh, so far. Uh, in all honesty, the the Turkish prison method is hard to beat. It's effective. All the best podcasts do that. <laughs> uh, anyway. Oz, what's your social media? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my normal account is Austin and Rude. And you can find my Doctor Who ramblings at Old Who Review. I am at Phil Rude on Twitter, at PhilRude75 on Instagram. PhilRude.com is where you can get all our episode links. And ko-fi.com slash philrude. Buy me a coffee, buy yourself a book. Oh, so you want to read the credits? Sure. We did it all ourselves. There you have it. We'll see you next time on The Picture Show. See ya. Not long ago, there were only three television channels, and the cheaply made family man comedy was king. Turning the dial would only give you another glimpse into a suburban nuclear family with a breadwinner husband, a stay-at-home wife, and the occasional talking horse. That is, until 1964, when one show dared to take a glimpse into the lives of terrible monsters that lived next door. The Monsters premiered that September, and well, America has yet to recover. The Monster Hunter shuns the millions of hours of original shows that are available at the press of a button to take a look back at a 60-year-old comedy about a Frankenstein monster and his grotesque family. He he reaches down, he just grabs her by the butt and lifts her up. Yep. Yeah. Instead of opening the window, he punches through the window. <laughs> which, I mean, this is your damn window, man. By the way, he's trying to catch uh, the raven out of the, the clock. Oh, is that yeah. what he's doing to feed the cat? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was very disinterested, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> the Monster Hunters, available every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> <laughs>